Ladies and gentlemen, once again, welcome to ASI. Are you ready for Members in Action? Oh, are you ready for Members in Action? <laughs> now you know that Members in Action is the very heartbeat of ASI because only what we do for Christ will last. And I'm going to tell you, you might not be as excited as I am now, but when you start hearing some of the, the testimonies, you will be exuberant with excitement, okay? <laughs> right now with me, I have Richard Alva, who is a nutritionist and health educator, and we have Elton DeSosa, who is a chaplain and Bible worker. Now, the thing with these two gentlemen, they both work at a medical practice, Medicore Partners. Yes, we have a chaplain and Bible worker with the nutritionist and health educator at a medical practice. How is this possible? Good evening, ASI. <laughs> uh, we have an amazing opportunity uh, that God has provided. Uh, Medicorp Partners, it's a medical practice that was started by Drs. Manuel and Esther Alva. Uh, those are my parents. Mm -hmm. And they've been in ministry, in health ministry, doing that work for a few years now. So how is the two married? Because, you know, traditional with, you know, natural typically doesn't blend. What's beautiful is that God is the one that does the work. Amen. And so because God is the great physician and salvation comes from him and health also comes from him, God is the means by which people receive health. And so God uses conventional means. He uses natural approaches, and that's why Elton and I have the opportunity to work together in ministry. Okay. So now, how did, how did the two of you come together? I mean, where did you find, you know, the, a chaplain and well, a Bible worker? For a few years, I was working um, there in the clinic giving health education classes, and we had that going. And inside the clinic? Inside the clinic. Wow. And so one thing that really laid the foundation was the way that um, the doctors, my parents, the physicians, interact with the patients. Uh, praying with their patients, talking to their patients about God, winning their trust and their confidence that way, introducing them to Christ. So when I came along, um, they were prepared and ready um, to hear about nutrition, to hear about health, to hear about better living. And then Elton came along. So, Brother Elton... You are the chaplain and Bible worker. How are you working this sin? I mean, you just, I'm sick, and you're going to talk to me about the Bible? Is that how you do it? Yes. Really? Well, Jesus is the great physician. Amen. And um, working at the clinic, I learned that eventually everybody has some level of stress. <laughs> and the patients that Richard sees every day okay. with his class he introduces to the stress management class that we have at the clinic. And this class, um, when people come to the class, they expect it to be healed with their stress. There will be some kind of a psychologist or some, okay. you know, procedure. So are they looking for a pill? I mean, because when I come to a doctor or when people come, they're typically looking for, for a, a yeah, yeah, a, a quick fix. That's right. They, they do, and especially when they come with their stress, they expect, you know, uh, wait that we're going to give some kind of a pill or, or some kind of a, you know, yoga treatment or something like that. But then I tell them, um, I have to be honest to you. I cannot help you, but I know someone that can. Amen. And when I say that, they look at me and I bring a steps to Christ and I tell them, Christ is the way. Would you like to sign up and, and continue with this uh, Bible study? So you're prescribing steps to Christ. Yes. Wow. Okay, okay. So what happens? I mean, you were telling me that 90%, are they Seventh-day Adventists? I mean, are they, oh. No, 90% of the people that we are working with, uh, they are Catholics. And in that region there, there's a lot of Catholic people. So they start reading the steps to Christ and they get very impressed to how we are saved by grace. Elton Richard and looks like he's just bursting with something to say yeah. about that. Well, it's, it's incredible because when you see somebody who has the right healthy living information, mm -hmm. but they don't have Christ, mm -hmm. it's one thing. But when Christ is introduced into that equation, 
It changes everything. Now, since you brought in a Bible worker into the practice, what has been the results? Now, how long has he been in the practice? Uh, well, we are there uh, for four months, and we have uh, 105 steps to Christ given and 105 Bible studies set up. Okay, so now, Richard, you've been there since when? Right. Well, I, I started working with my parents in 2003 with the health education in 2006, and then full-time since 2011 with the series of health education classes. But since we started making Bible studies available to the patients, we have not seen health outcomes so quickly as we're seeing now. So you're literally seeing physical results in addition to spiritual? Both. And they go together, absolutely. Okay, we're going to run out of time, but I want to see your pictures. I, I think we have a few pictures. I want to share real quick, there's this man comes to me, and, and when he hears about the stress management class, he, he calls me aside and he says, um, how do you do this class? Because I've been to a psychologist, I've been to, you know, some yoga classes, and everybody tells me the same. It's inside of me that I have the answer. Mm. But then he calls me and he asks, are you going to tell me something similar? Because I don't want to waste my time. And I tell him, no, I won't, because I believe that only Christ has the answer. Amen. Yes. Amen. So they took our pictures away. Okay. Well, with the results that you're seeing now, what would you admonish the rest of us to do? I'm reminded of John, uh, John chapter 16, verse 13, where it says, Jesus is speaking, and he says that the Spirit will lead you into all truth. Christ is truth, and we see amazing results at work, not because of us, but because of the work that the Holy Spirit is doing. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Yes. Thank you so much. Truly, the health message is the right arm of the gospel. It's our entering wedge, and we, when we use it as the Lord has commissioned us to, you see results. I was just amazed in a medical practice. Now, Gary, this gentleman... Now, who still believes in modern-day miracles? This is Gary Morgan, and his ministry is Search for One Incorporated. Now, first, come a little closer. Explain what Search for One Incorporated. What is that? What do you do? Well, it's a Search for One. We're doing a medical ministry in the Republic of Kiribati, South Pacific. Where? Who? What? The Republic of Kiribati, we are south of Not the Marshall Curacao. Islands. Kiribati. Okay. It's the local word for Gilberts, formerly the Gilbert Islands in the South Pacific. So we're south of the Marshall Islands and we're north of Fiji and about 2,000 miles away from Hawaii. So right out there in the middle of nowhere. So in other words, you don't have the Hawaiian feel and all of the luxuries. No, we do not. Okay. No. How did you get way out there? Well, you know, tonight is a very special night. It was exactly 19 years ago tonight that I walked into my very first ASI meeting. And I walked in and joined the audience, and I was blown away with what I heard. The reports from around the world were phenomenal. And that night I walked through the display booths, and there was a sailboat set up in the back of the auditorium. It was Search for One's first ASI, and they were there looking for a boat captain and a host family to go start the work in the Republic of Kiribati. So I said, where do I sign up? So just, I've been doing just, it ever since. Just like that? Just like that. Now, what is the purpose of Search for One Incorporated? Well, we're taking medical, dental teams into the outer islands where there are no doctors. Tarawa has got a hospital slash clinic mm -hmm. with doctors, but the outer islands do not have any. So our focus has been to take medical help to the outer islands. But that work has been growing through the years. We're now taking construction teams out to help with building churches, mm -hmm. building on our Kalma Adventist School. We are also taking evangelistic teams out there. And we have some big things planned for the future. And what are those big things? <laughs> we are looking forward to starting a new clinic on Tarawa this next year. Mm -hmm. Dr. Ray Andreessen from Delta Junction, Alaska, was out with us this last February. And he, he was so excited with what he saw out there, the response from the people and the needs, that 
he is looking forward to sharing his staff, his medical expertise in time with setting up a clinic on Tarawa for the people out there. Okay. So now within this clinic, how are you incorporating the building, the evangelism, I mean, everything that you've, you know, expounded on? You know, it all works together, but the medical arm of our work is the leading edge. Two years ago, Dr. Dan Wilson out of Lewiston, Idaho, mm -hmm. went with us to a closed island. This is an island where they forbid any evangelism, any teaching, other than the established religion on that island, with up to a threat of death for doing it. So we went in with that dental team and we were welcomed with open arms. We now have an island open to evangelism because of the medical team that went first. That right arm again. Exactly. Okay, now you were telling me about the unentered territories that you're interested in going into. The we, we still have other islands that have never been entered with any Adventist work. And we are looking for the volunteers that want to help us do that. So, I mean, do you already have these pegged out? Do you know where you're yes, going to... Yes, we do. <laughs> so, um, there, there are still a number of islands that have never been entered due to the... Um, local people and the local religion okay. wanting to keep any other influences out. Okay, so like right now, what is the projected plan to try to enter into these areas? Well, we're planning to start a mission college for evangelism out there. We want to train lay people in doing um, lay Bible work, mm -hmm. gardening, um, fundamental health principles. We would like to have a lay evangelist in every village in that country God willing. You have a very, and this is what I was going to tell you about the miracle. You have a very special miracle to share with us. It's a short story, but it's powerful, and it's encouraging to know that God is still working miracles today. You know, God has influenced every trip we've made out there, but last year we arrived with a construction team, and we got to the island of Abamama, where we have our Kalma Adventist School. We're going to be working on the cafeteria. And we found that the island was out of food. The seas were running high, and the government supply ships had not been there in quite some time. So I tried for three days to get our large sailboat started, and I was unsuccessful. I've never had that problem before, but for three days in a row, it would not start. So I looked at Takamis, my local right-hand man who takes care of the boats out there. I said, Takamis, what about taking the old McGregor 26? It was our first sailboat in the country out there, but it had been on the beach for a while and not used. He said, yeah, he said, I think that would make it. So we put a, a new motor on the back of that boat, spent a day preparing, and we took off for Tarawa, 80 miles away, to get a supply of rice and flour and sugar for the school and to share with the island out there. Now, this happened because you said you checked back at the school and they had no food? They were opening school with no food there. Wow. So we made a very quick trip to Tarawa, got the boat loaded. Five o'clock the next evening, we were back on the sea headed back to Abamama. But as soon as we hit the open ocean, we knew it was going to be a rough, rugged trip. We'd taken twice the amount of fuel that we usually budgeted for that particular trip. But as we went through the night, each time I transferred fuel from our barrels to the running tank, it became obvious that we were running short. The wind, the waves, we had swells up over 25 feet, and we were bailing water. We had several waves Not to mention you got knocked upside the head, and I mean, that's a whole different That's ahead, right. No. By 2 o'clock Friday afternoon, I picked, pulled out my satellite telephone, and I called mission headquarters, let them know that we were running short on fuel. We were 26 miles from the island of Abamama, and we were late. It was questionable whether we would make sure. So it was God's blessing. There was a secretary there to take that call. She emailed the school principal at our Calma Adventist School. He rang the emergency bell. They had a prayer session, assembled the whole student body and faculty at exactly 3 o'clock the very same time that you were having issues with Exactly. That. The engine at 3 o'clock quit. I went back, opened up the big hatch at the back of the boat to try and pull start the engine after transferring more fuel to it. A wave and wind caught that back of the boat, and as I looked up, it hit me right square in the face. Forehead and nose, I had blood running down the front of me onto the, the deck. 
So I called Takamase, who was down bailing water out of the main cabin. I said, Takamase, I need some help back here. He looked out and he says, Gary, oh no, what do I do? I said, well, throw me a shirt or rag, something I can clean my face with. Now, jump us to when you get to share the experience because they're going to run me out of time. Okay. So anyway, that last transfer of fuel ran twice as long as all of the other fuel tanks had run on the trip. And we traveled four times as far on that tank of fuel. That tank of fuel took us all the way to the lagoon at Abamama. So I got in about 11.30 that night to my hut. Next Sabbath morning, I was able to walk into Sabbath school and tell these children, beginning of the school year, told them of our miracle the day before and how their prayers had saved us at sea. So it was a tremendous start for their school year. May the Lord bless it. And Gary, thank you so much. You know, this almost makes me want to cry because truly only what we do for Christ will last. He is waiting for us to go out there, step out on faith, and he will work miracles for you. Don't be afraid. Don't look for that security under your feet. Walk out on faith. Even if you're walking on air with the faith of God, he will sustain you. Thank you, Gary. Thank you, Melissa. (laughs) You know, I don't know if you realize how close to Christ's return that we are But when you hear some of these stories, you will understand why the Lord is commissioning us to go. And when you hear our next couple, you will understand just what our mission really is. Come closer. We have Don and Trudy Starlin. And your ministry, I I just, I spent hours just really going over it. Their ministry is working with refugees. Now, when we say go, are you going into all of these countries and lands? Where is your ministry? Well, we have been involved in foreign missions uh, mm-hmm. between the two of us. We have about 40 years of combined experience. But uh, no, the refugees are here among us. So you all are actually, you, you have to tell me more about that, here in the United States of America. That's right. Uh, approximately of the 100 least reached people groups on planet Earth, about 20 of them are now here in significant numbers in the United States. How is that so? Well, um, five years ago, we just found out that there's a lot of refugees being immigrated to America. And when I was working at AFM, um, one of our development oh, persons, you yeah, okay. and you know, came back and said, there's a church that have a group of people coming here and they're from Burma that they don't speak the language. And they asked me if I could mm-hmm. help them. And so I am originally from Burma, and I can speak Korean and Burmese. And so I was able to help them connect and trying mm-hmm. to um, explain to them who they are, where they're from. Mm-hmm. And um, that's how we got started. Okay. Now, in some of the, you know, the information you sent, you were saying that you know, America has a misunderstanding or a misinterpretation of what needs to be done. Could you explain that? Well, most of the refugees that comes, they are literally coming from the jungle. And so they lived in a place there's no running water, no electricity, and let alone having to work or learning to drive. And so when they come to America, they are put in a housing places that it's basically concrete jungle. And mm-hmm. so they don't know how to run the um, electricity, meaning that how to turn the stove on you know, the running water and having to learn to drive, do the banking, you know, and learn so the language. simple daily things. Right. Simple daily things that we take for granted. So you're saying that we need to go and to reach them here in the United States. That's right. They are here in the United States. Uh, they're all around us. In fact, uh, information uh, is on government websites, refer- re- various refugee resettlement programs. Uh, you can uh, Google that, find people that are, are close to you. Yeah. Well, I made a list here. You were saying there were some needs. Friendship, support their pastors. What do you mean by support their pastors? We've found as we've uh, gone around and first of all made friends with the people, met their needs, we've discovered that God in his wisdom has placed strategically people who are already trained spiritually amongst many of these tribal groups. They're here, but instead of working as pastors and uh, ministers, 
They're uh, doing menial tasks. They're slaughtering chickens. They're uh, uh, driving fork trucks. Uh, they're involved in, in fact, there's uh, one pastor uh, right here in the Grand Rapids area from Burma mm -hmm. who is working at a factory uh, making wiring harnesses instead of out encouraging his people. Or establishing churches. I mean, it's... That's right. And he could be. So what is it that we can do? I mean, it's, it sounds simple. I mean, I, I can tell someone how to shop too good, no. Well, I think uh, in North America, we have been so focused uh, abroad that we haven't realized the massive influx of refugees that have come in from these uh, strategically located countries in terms of the gospel uh, mm -hmm. outreach, places where we simply cannot work today mm -hmm. and have not been able to work for uh, many decades. Uh, from Bhutan, uh, Nepal, uh, Burma, and many of the Middle Eastern and, and North African countries where uh, uh, work is, is very hard to do. Okay. Well, now, Trudy, you were saying that we need to rethink strategies, and I, I had to write this down so I wouldn't misquote it. Rethink strategies for church planting in North America. Well, basically, what I would like to encourage everybody is that um, look around you you'll see the people, they may look different to you, but they are um, our brothers and sisters. And when a lot of these refugees that came to America, a lot of them are Adventists, already Adventists, and looking for Adventist brothers and sisters to help them. And um, they don't understand the language. Tell them who is helping them, as we're not. Well, <laughs> she's really she's... want me to say this. Um, let me tell you one example of the story that we visited um, a family in Rock Island, Illinois, and we stayed with the host family. And Sabbath morning came, and they were worshiping in a home church, you know, basically in home. And Sabbath morning came, in, and he told us that Jehovah Witness is coming to give him Bible study. This is quarter to eight. And Don and I looked at each other, and we said, we hear that all the time. You know, the Korean people will say, yeah, Jehovah Witness is knocking on our door, but we have yet to have an Adventist come to our door. So we want to see what they were doing. So they came, they dressed up really nice, you know, and they, oh, when they got to the door, they take their shoes off. Um, this is the Asian cultures, and they sit on the floor. And um, there's a couch there, but they did not choose to sit there. They sat on the floor, they spread their material, and to our surprise, there was material in their language, colorful illustrated. And they had the Bible in the Korean language, and they have the father read the Bible in Korean. And the little girl is 78 years old. She's attending public school, so she was eating, reading it in English. And so guess what's going to happen to that little girl? Mm. We're missing out the opportunity. So seize the opportunity. Yeah, and we don't live right there, so we can't really go there. We can only go and encourage whenever we can, okay. are able. Well, we have a commission, not only from them, but especially from God. Thank you, Don. Thank you, Trudy. Yeah, we have <laughs> Our time, I'm sorry. <laughs> but I do want to leave you with the quote that they had that I, I want to share. If befriended and loved are more open to the gospel than at any other time in their lives because their entire worldview is being reinterpreted. We can give them the truth. We have the truth. So let's each one reach one. God bless. Oh, great. They are so marvelous. We hear from far and near. <clears throat> members working in the Pacific and members working close by even Benton Harbor, Michigan. I have with me Garen and Bonnie Dent from the Berrien Springs area. And actually, you have a business right in downtown Berrien Springs, don't you? We do. What is your business? We have a retail hardware store in Berrien. Okay. But now you have been as a family involved in some Benton Harbor ministry. How did that start? Um, about 10 years ago, uh, Pioneer Memorial Church was on the campus of Andrews University there. Uh, started... Uh, the students had, a, um, had been impressed by the Holy Spirit to simply go to our local um, inner city, which is about 12 miles from Berrien, and uh, just pray with people up and down the streets. And out of that, 
they developed a little uh, group, and that group started meeting, and they rented a church, and so a little congregation was formed as a new plant start group out of, out of uh, PMC. And that's called Harbor of Hope. Right now it's called Harbor of Hope, yeah. Fits Benton Harbor, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. So what's the ministry like? Bonnie? Um, the ministry has a lot of facets to it. Primarily what we have is a church service. Um, Sabbath school, then church. There's some youth group activities that are, go on. They have what's called sidewalk Sabbath school. They take a, a big truck out, and they do different types of street ministries on the street, multifaceted. One of the other facets of it is a food program. And what happens is every Sabbath morning, we have a breakfast, and, and then we have a Sabbath school or Bible study, and then we have church, and then we have a Sabbath dinner. And that comprises a very uh, unique and diverse and great mix of people. We have people that come in off the street to eat breakfast. We have students from Andrews that come to help mentor the kids and help teach the kids about the Bible. We have our members that have become baptized into this congregation. And so it's a really great mix of people. When they come in off the street and they're eating breakfast, we can sit down and say, hey, how have you been doing? Yeah, we have church and we have Bible study. Please stay. And they'll stay for church. And that's kind of how we've been involved. We were initially involved with sitting with the kids and helping teach the kids Bible stories. And now we've gotten involved in the food part of the program. And about how many young people and folks coming on a typical Sabbath with you? Yeah, it varies. During the Andrews University school year, we have closer to more up towards 100 because a lot of our um, students at Andrews are learning how to do inner city ministry through this program, um, but it varies even down to 60 to 100. So you started sort of sitting with the kids for a while, now you're feeding that group. Uh, what's it like when the kids, young people from the inner city come in and even have breakfast with you. Yeah, we have a, we have a group, um, and it's kind of a breakfast group that comes. It was started because a lot of the kids would come to church, and they were so hungry. They would say, I need something to eat. And you ask them, and truly, they haven't eaten since school on Friday. It just, home life is such that there's not regular meals, and if they found anything, but they, they could eat it. If not, then they would come to church hungry. They couldn't sit and concentrate for church. So we started offering just a small breakfast, and that's what we do now. And then the, the main meal is, of course, at, after the sermon. Now, how long have you been involved in this ministry? We've been involved for about 10 years now. So you've seen some inner city kids growing up? We have. It's been very exciting. Uh, they just, they've started as young people, and uh, of course, they're, they're 10 years at least older now, and they're, uh, some still attend, some do not, um, some attend occasionally, and we're just praying that what, a little bit of impact we had when they were younger, that they, uh, they will, uh, it will stick with them. Now, when they get a little older, you're trying to, you're building relationships, um, you're mentoring them. Uh, give us a, an example. Right. Well, it kind of has developed into uh, deeper relationships, and we kind of saw the need. I was sitting with a young girl, um, a pretty young girl, and we were eating Sabbath dinner together, and she was new, and I was talking to her about her life and what was going on. She was excited about a new job. But she was expressing to me that she had concerns about how she was going to get to that job because she had no car. She was going to get off late um, at about 10 o'clock. I had visions of this beautiful young girl walking home in the bad part of the inner city. And, and when I, so I said, okay, why don't I pick you up and I'll take you home? And so that's what I had decided to do. And so in the process, when I picked her up, she was supposed to count out the drawer at the end of her shift. And literally because of the challenging situation she had at school and not being able to learn as well. She couldn't even do that skill. And it made us aware that there's a huge need for these people to be um, integrated, and, and that's the purpose of ASI, is Christ in the marketplace. So we felt like we need to start mentoring these people at my husband's work, not just vocationally, but as you're teaching them these skills that relate to their work, you can also help them learn biblical principles, and you can help them learn about Christ's love, and you can share that with them. And what we found in that process is that they have truly mentored us. We have seen huge character flaws that we have needed to deal with and that Christ has really called us out on 
through them. So it's been a, a wonderful reciprocal relationship. So you're actually bringing some of these young people home with you at times. They're going to work with you during the day. You're teaching them responsibility. You really are getting close to these young people, aren't you? What a blessing to do that. I think you're living out a bit of Isaiah 58 right in Benton Harbor. And praise the Lord for Pioneer Memorial Church for doing this initiative. What would you say to our ASI family from your experience that would be an encouragement to us for the future? I would say that because ASI members are in the marketplace, whether you own a business or work in a business, I would just ask you to pray and ask God to give you these relationships that will allow you to work. We all need to work. We all have our responsibilities, but how we can integrate that with sharing Christ and being mentored by these people that have life experiences that can enrich you while you're mentoring them. I would also ask you to pray, ask the Holy Spirit if you would like to support it financially. Every ministry needs financial support. You could do that by giving to Pioneer and, and marking it Harbor of Hope Ministry. Harbor of Hope. If you'd like to learn more about it tonight during the uh, exhibit time, come to 732 and uh, the folks will be there with you. Thank you so much, Garvin and Bonnie. Well, let's leave this area now and go up to Minnesota, the land of lakes. And um, you're going to be really blessed also with Jimmy Hansen. So glad to have you out here with us today. Thank you. Jimmy, you were, you were raised a Seventh-day Adventist, is that right? I was. I come from a third-generation family of Seventh-day Adventists. Well, that's wonderful. That's a privilege. Now, uh, you told me, though, that from a youth you had a an interest peaked in you that is probably not so typical of Seventh-day Adventists. Tell us about that. When I was a child, I heard about a relative that was a deputy sheriff. And as a child and a boy, I dreamt about that. And my dreams of becoming a police officer became a reality. So you, you pursued a course in, in, in law enforcement? Yes, I did. So you um, do I understand that you you worked as a patrol officer for a while? I did. I worked on the street as a patrol officer, and I've worked at, um, as a police officer, also at a reservation, and now as a chief law enforcement officer. Okay, and an investigator at one time. Correct. Okay, well, so you have an interesting background up there in Minnesota. You never know what happens up in that area, do you? Correct. Now, I come from a small town. It's called Dunlap, Tennessee, and we have only about 5,000 people. Tell me about Akeley, Minnesota. Let's reduce that by about... 10? 10. Really? Go back to 10%. 500? About five to 600 in the wintertime and maybe triple that in the summertime. So you really get to know your community? Know each one of them almost. Wow. How did you get involved in that community, though? I was recruited actually by a citizen to come and apply there when there was an opening, when I was working as an investigator. Okay, so you were interviewed and they hired you? Correct. And how many years ago? And that has been about five years ago now. Okay. Now, you, do you go to church in Akeley? I do not. I go to church in Wadena, which is about an hour from where I work. Okay. But you had a burden for the town you work in, correct, to help people that would be spiritually open. How did your home church get involved in that? My home church has evangelism outreach programs, and one of the programs they have done over the last three or four years is supply great controversy with um, the church and the members, whoever would like to pass them out. And the church... Um, pays for them and orders them and, and supplies them. So you have some in your office? I have some in my office as well as my vehicle. And some in the police car? Yes. So as you're out serving the public, you're looking for opportunities to place the great controversy in people's hands. When somebody shows a desire for a hope or something better than this life has to offer, then I get into action and they get a book of hope. What do you think about that ASI, amen? <laughs> Chief of the police giving out great controversy. That's a blessing. We're so glad to hear that. Um, tell us what it's like when you meet people. Uh, give us an example of some that you've been able to impact through 
your police ministry. I'll share with you um, a call that I received. It's been a little over a year ago about a lady that um, needed medical attention. And it was called in, and I received that call and went to the call and found a lady sitting alongside the road that when you're in Minnesota and it's March and it's 40 above, that's a nice day. Okay. And she was out for a walk. So medically everything was fine, but something told me to go check on her in a couple days to see how things were, and I did, and she was not home. And I went a few days later, and I went back to her three times, and each time spoke with her husband, and at, I'd say two or three of the times, her husband had some questions concerning Bible truths. The fourth time I went back, Shirley was there. We laugh about it now. She was there all the other three times, too. But she really? was a little apprehensive with the uniform. Um, but she asked if I could come back and s give her some more information concerning questions she had about the Bible. And they decided to move across town. She invited me over to their new house with her grandchildren listening while we talked about Bible questions and answers. Today, she is going to church with her grandchildren, and she is studying to be baptized. Amen. Isn't that a blessing? Well, Chief, what can you t say to our ASI family about ministry? Um, number one thing that I see today is the urgency of the hour. And the urgency of the hour is God calling each and every one of us to do this work. And if he can use a person in uniform at 1 a.m. in the morning to share the love of Jesus in front of a bar, he can use anybody. And I didn't choose this. God chose me or I wouldn't be doing it. And when he chose me, he also opened up doors. And I'll share this with the audience, that wherever he plants you, it's already blooming. And it's a wonderful thing. Thank you, Chief. May You're God welcome. bless you and your ministry in Minnesota. Thank you. Uh -huh. Now we'd like to tell you about a ministry that is impacting people all over the world by the tens of thousands. And I can't wait to be able to tell you more about this from Merlin and Vonda Bierman. So glad to have you here. Now, these folks combined a couple of ministries together. Vonda is a soloist who uh, actually will be singing for us in a little while this evening. She's been on 3ABN with Quiet Hour. And uh, as they have had her music ministry and as Merlin has helped her, uh, another ministry grew out of that called Revelation Publication International. Sounds amazing. Vonda, how did that happen? You mean, how did it come out of a music ministry? Yeah, yeah that's true. He was helping you. That's kind of a good question. Well, um, I have the privilege of uh, sharing the love of Jesus through music and song and uh, love my job and can't believe that the doors, so many doors that have been open um, all over the world, including um, prison doors. And one of our favorite things to do is to go into the prisons. And as I give a concert and men and women's hearts um, are being led to the Lord through these songs, um, my husband and I felt this need to continue to, um, to nurture them. And it was there um, that a Bible study based on the Steps to Christ book um, was created. And I'll let my husband finish the rest. So were you giving out Steps to Christ in the prison sometimes? Um, yes, we would pass them out and the prisoners would say, oh, they would write us back and say, this is a great book but I don't understand all the big words. So make a long story short, we made a paraphrased Bible study out of Steps to Christ. And, um, and the focus of our ministry now is to, it's very simple, follow the, the gospel commission and take them to the world. So you, you put together Steps to Christ as kind of a, a lesson, a Bible study lesson for them. How did that end up getting into this Revelation Publications International? Well, um, over time, praise God and all glory to Him. Um, the study guides eventually spread. People started asking for them, and pretty soon the ABCs were carrying them and a lot of the bigger ministries. And distribution within the United States was pretty good. 
but then people from outside the United States would contact by email or phone and once they found out that the cost of shipping was more than the book, most of them wouldn't buy. And so one day I'm, I'm on my knees in, in my office with a world map and I'm just praising or just pleading with God, please take these to the world by the power of your Holy Spirit, give me wisdom. And in that conversation with God, he impressed me to make a website. And we have a graphic of that here. It's uh, bible-lessons.org. And he impressed me to put these Bible studies in every language possible at this website for free download. Well, in my limited knowledge at the time, I'm asking, Lord, are you sure? But I'll do it. But anybody that knows anything about the Internet, you know, you either have to know somebody's address to get to their website, which nobody's going to know mine, or um, somebody does a, a search engine search, and some little guy like me is going to be on page 15. So who's going to go to page 15 to download the Bible studies? But I was faithful to the Lord said, okay. Sure enough, the first year there was about 30 there, and the next year maybe 50-some. Another year or two ticked by, and one day a neighbor came over, and he was telling me about his little tree business, and he told me how he made an ad in Google, and you, you make a little ad. We've got a graphic of that, too, if they can show that. There These are the very ads that we used that first day, by the way. And you can make a picture ad or a text ad. And in that ad, you, you set up keywords where if people are searching for free Bible studies, then your ad will pop up. And then you give Google a daily budget, and they charge your credit card every time somebody goes to your website. We thought, what do we have to lose? We'll make a little ad, we'll put $5 on it and see what happens. So we did that. Went in the next morning. Seven hits. I thought, praise the Lord, that's more than we get in three months. This is awesome. Well, it gets better, a lot better. And by the way, that was $5, four people. You know, here's four people somewhere in the world looking to know the Lord, and I could give that to them for a dollar and a quarter. Well, the next day there was 30-some. The next day, 60-some. Next day, 120. And the numbers keep going up. And finally, the numbers leveled off, and I'm going, what's going on? And then I figured out, well, Google's not going to advertise for free, right? Um, once the money's spent, they're not going to put your ad up anymore. So Vaughn and I started getting excited and started putting our personal money in this more and more and upping the budget each day, and pretty soon there was 500, 700, 1,000 in a day, 2,000. Then the day of Pentecost hit, 3,000. We were just praising the Lord. In one day? In one day. Praise the Lord. How long ago was that? This, is happened, this took off about two and a half years ago. And to this point, we have a graphic of that too, of a world map. Anywhere you see color on that map, God has heard my prayer and taken these to the world. Can you say amen? And you can look at a world map like that just about any day of the year and it'll look the same. There's two countries that I can see. One is North Korea where internet is blocked and there's somewhere in the Sahara Desert. There's probably not internet. But God is good. So Google Ads has opened up this door for you. Now, when we were back, backstage, you were showing me right now, 147 people are at this very moment on your website. At this second, this 149. Second. How, many, how many yesterday? The, uh, yesterday was a record, about 16,000. In one day on the internet. And I, I want to say this, our budget typically is about, with a, we're a nonprofit, we have a few donors that help, it's usually about um, 3,000 a month, and we were averaging about 4,000 hits a day. About two months ago, somebody hands me a check for $7,000, so the budget's been up in the last couple days because I wanted to come and make a point that this is something that each one of you could be doing. We upped the budget. Yesterday was a record at 16,000. And here's the part on that slide, to date, 4.4 million people at the website in two years. In two years. In Amen, way, everyone. The way this can be applied to each of your ministries here, when somebody goes on there looking for truth, they need to find every one of our ministries on page one, and it can happen. Thank you Thank so you. much for sharing. It's amazing. Isn't it amazing to see what God is doing all around the world? It's just one of my favorite parts of ASI is doing members in action and hearing the stories of how God is at work. Have you been blessed this evening by the stories you've heard? Amen. Well, we're not quite finished yet. Just a couple of more stories. And I have here with me this evening Mark Cromwell, who is Vice President for the Mid-America 
chapter of ASI. And Jane Smith on this side, who is our vice president for membership there, and Vivian Newhearth, who is a new member of ASI. So welcome her as a new member this evening, right? Amen. Thank you. Now, uh, I understand that the Mid-America chapter did a, a, an interesting event for their spring conference. Vivian, tell us what was happening at that event. We had an awesome program, and for my first one in the Mid-America, it was wonderful. We had like 1,200 people show up. We did it in a town called Lee Summit, Missouri, and we had Doug Batchelor and Scott Ritzma as our speakers, and so it drew a large crowd. Well, now, Vivian, I know how these things work, and even if you have Doug Batchelor as a speaker and just show up, you're not necessarily going to get a crowd, even though he's a wonderful speaker and does have some attraction there. What, did, what else was done as pre-work to this event? Well, I think Jane might have some input on that. Thank you. Yes, we went to all the churches in Kansas City, and we spoke to the pastors and the board members, and we asked them if they would be willing to close their churches for our ASI and worship all together in one location on the Sabbath that we had that. And it was a powerful, moving experience, and we had over 1,200 people there. Wow, over 1,200 people. And so uh, the ASI event all the churches closed, everybody came together. What was that experience like? Well, it was powerful, and you get to see how this is bigger than just one small little church, especially being here, that you can see that this is a movement, and the Lord is working to get this message spread throughout the world. So I understand you had some exhibitors there, too. How did that work out? We had 18 exhibitors, and it was such a powerful event that we're going to have the ASI Mid-America Conference in Kansas City again next year. And all the 18 exhibitors are coming back and more. Praise the Lord. And so uh, working with the local church and getting these things to happen, Mark, I know that there's some other things going on behind the scenes because that's quite an feat to get, like, what, 14 churches to close down and come to one venue? You know, it was such a, a blessing that we were able to organize in the way that we did. And I think, you know, I give thanks to our to our team and everybody that contributed uh, their time and their knowledge. And what we did, those people that we recruited out of the churches were, we went to the pastors and really wanted people that were on fire. We needed help to pull off this convention in Kansas City. We really wanted ASI to leave a footprint behind, not just come to an event and leave. So we really got people that really were talented, really on fire, wanted to make this thing work. And as a result of that organizing committee, they stayed together and are forming uh, a group that's going to be a grassroots uh, uh, layperson's effort to form small study groups and small prayer groups all over the city and using these events, because we're having ASI back again, to get those people that are coming. We had over 200 visitors that we weren't prepared for. And so this time, when we, we're going to announce it to the to the Christian community and the community of Kansas City to come back and join us again. And this time we're going to be prepared with people that are going to help them connect with us better and get to know us, form a relationship with us so we can mentor them into our church. So this uh, working together with all these churches, does this have a name? Is there something you're calling this now? Yeah, we're, we're Adventist United. We, we, we uh, conversed and had a meeting and Everybody bounce names off the, off the wall, and this is what we are. We're, un, we're Adventists. We're united in our message. We want to get the message out. We believe that small groups and facilitating those and small prayer groups is the way to go. We need to build relationships, and so that's what we're doing. So what we're going to make it happen. What is ASI Mid-America Union doing to train these people so that they can uh, do a, you know, a great job with these small groups? Part of our plan, we had a missioning statement and a... And a and a description for an organization put together that basically we developed three or four curriculums to teach people. So we had uh, trainers come in for uh, the four curriculums are uh, New Beginnings, uh, Karen Lewis, uh, Lifting Up Jesus, the iStudy program, which IntelliCard is here with that, and then a fourth uh, curriculum, which is developed on interest. So if we have somebody that has an interest, say, creation or, you know, struggling with believing the Bible. We're going to start them at a study at that point, but this also taught people in that class that took that class 
what was the next progression, what was the next logical progression from that interest. So he could continue on, discover their next interest, and move in a progressive way in that study. So it's really great because everybody's kind of on the same page. They're not just doing random studies. So they could send somebody to a, another study across town. It's the same one that they're having here. And say you have a, a, a friend across town, and, and you really like the study mm-hmm. that you're, you're right. taking on. Mm-hmm. And you can go, hey, you can go the same study right over where you live. So that's why we're kind of keeping it really organized and keeping, them, keeping uh, things rolling. Praise the Lord. It sounds like ASI is having an impact in that community there in Kansas City. Vivian, tell us a story about someone's life who was impacted by this event. This is so awesome. Um, the last night of our ASI, we had a gentleman that came by as we had already closed. And he, um, I was showing him, I was working with Scott Ritzma at the Belt of Truth, that he had a booth there. And I showed him this tape. I said, oh, sir, you have just got to buy this. Get this media on the brain videotape. You will not be sorry. So he went ahead and bought it, and he came back Sunday morning. We were already closed. We were shutting down. And he goes, where is this Scott Ritzma guy? I want to meet him. And I said, he's already left. And he goes, well, I want to talk to him. Well, from that encounter, um, Scott has been on our local secular political radio station two times. They want him back for more, and they want him to be teaching prophecy on this program Amen. from our um, get-together. Amen. See how God works when we just step out in a little bit of faith for him. Now, Vivian, you're a new member. You just joined. It was your first time. How did this affect you? You know, seeing all these booths here and to see also at our Mid-America what all our church is doing, wow. We should be so proud as a denomination how we are reaching out to the world that is starving for us. And so what a great opportunity. It's been very enriching to me. Amen. Thank you for sharing with us this evening. Amen. Thank you. All right. Well, you know, it's such a blessing to have these stories that we hear about what's happening all around the world. I have with me this evening Dr. Birgit Hosted, and uh, she participated in this event in San Francisco, and we just wanted to get a personal perspective from her today. Uh, Dr. Hosted, I know that you were there, and uh, you were serving as a, in the family practice area, and uh, tell us a story about someone whose life was changed by coming to this event. Well, let's call the gentleman's name Anthony. He was a 56-year-old man that came in, and when he came in, he had his backpack on and had something going on in his ears. So he came in. I told him, I said, you need to take that out of your ears. <laughs> so... I asked him, do you mind if I take a listen to what you're listening to? Oh, boy. Well, the only problem was that we shared this room, and there was just a curtain between us and the next room. So he started playing his music, and it was so loud, just through his earbud. And I said, wow, um, is this what you listen to? And then I said to him, I said, so tell me, um, why are you here? Uh-huh. And he said, well, I've been... I've been two years clean and sober, and for the last little bit, I've been having terrible, terrible night terrors. I wake up at night with this sweat, and I just, he said, I find myself doing all kinds of strange things. I've broken mirrors, windows. I found myself laying on top of my roommate, so it was definitely creating a problem. (laughs) I would say so. (laughs) So at that point, I said to him, I said, now, you said you were a deacon, and um, what doesn't the Bible say something about as a man thinketh in his heart? Uh-huh. And he finished. So is he. Oh, so he knew the Bible. He did. All right. He, he knew the Bible. He also knew that he finished several of the things that I thought. And so I looked at him. I said, well, the music that you're listening to, do you think, what are those lyrics saying? And he said, well, can't you hear that? <laughs> Honestly, I couldn't. He said, oh, it says you're mine, mine, all mine. Ah. So I'm thinking, night tears. Oh, I'm starting to get a little scared myself. Actually, not really. But then I said, so what else do you listen to? He said, Michael Jackson. I said, oh, was he a Christian? Oh, no. Ah. I said, well, what does the Bible say about that? And he said, he said, I said, so if he's not a Christian, whose music are you listening to? And he didn't miss a beat. He said, Satan's. 
So he recognized that he was treading on Satan's territory. Yeah, I don't think he connected those two dots. He uh, just thought that he could listen to his music and somehow medicine need to help him with his night terrors. I see. So at that point, um, I said, well, I think we have a bigger problem here than just what um, medicine can treat. Mm -hmm. So I asked our nurse, Tammy Metzner, would you please go get the chaplain? So while, while she went to go get the chaplain, I asked him, I said, you know, there's a scripture in the Bible. It's in James 5. And it says, is anyone sick? Let him call the elders of the Amen. church mm -hmm. and anoint him with oil and the prayer offered in faith would make the sick person well. So I asked him, I said, would you be willing to get anointed? And he looked at me. He didn't miss a beat. He said, yes. Wow. So he, he recognized the value of that. He did. Mm -hmm. So then it was a bit for the chaplains to come. And so I said, well, how about this? While we're waiting for them, let's just pray. And you and I will both search our own hearts and um, see if there's anything God is asking us to surrender. But what's interesting was, in this time, that thank you for that phone ringing because it reminded me of something. His phone went off and it had something terribly obnoxious on there. I said, oh my lands, I think we've got a little cleanup work to do here. So as I was listening to his music, I'm like, that's gotta go. So he very faithfully took out his phone, just started deleting, deleting. And he deleted his music library, but then those ringers, Oh, I, I think those ringers need to go too. So by the time the chaplains came, the music had been deleted. He was um, open. And I said, did God impress anything on your heart to surrender? And he said, yeah. He said that he's been hanging around some people that maybe haven't been the best influence. And he would like to surrender that too. So it was really beautiful. The chaplains came in. One of the chaplains came in with Pastor Allen, and he shared his story that he used to be addicted to alcohol and cigarettes. And you know, I think sometimes when we reach out to people, they see us clean right, and right. they're kind of, mm -hmm. but it, it's amazing what touch can do. And so we just reached over and, and I said, you know, I really appreciate you sharing your story. Is there something you'd like to tell my friends? And so they shared a little testimony and we prayed over him and it was just amazing. It was absolutely amazing how a sense of peace just covered him. So the work of a physician is not necessarily always just prescriptive in nature from the standpoint of, you know, uh, drink some more water or things like that. You were addressing his spiritual health in that encounter. That's amazing. Now, in this process, how did that affect you personally as a physician? Well, it's interesting, before we went to San Francisco, my prayer was, God, help me to see these people like you see them. And it's easy to look at people and kind of see them from the outside. You know, they don't smell right. They don't look right. They, mm. But it's like when we were in San Francisco, these were my buddies. I mean, I, it was really a blessing. And they can sense that, that you care about them. Amen. So uh, we've got... Uh, this evening is a report certainly on what happened in San Francisco and Oakland, but it's also an appeal to you this evening about what is about to happen in San Antonio, Texas, April 8, 9, and 10 of 2015. There will be an event in San Antonio <clears throat> similar to this event, reaching out with free medical care to the community there. The city has given free use of the Alamo Dome, which is the same place the general conference meetings will be held for three days for this event. And the city of San Antonio has challenged us to serve 6,000 people while we're there. What happened in Oakland and San Francisco was 3,000, and now they're challenging us to serve 6,000 people. We're going to need 1,500 volunteers. How many people do we have here this evening? Praise the Lord. We've got about 1,500. I think we all ought to show up and volunteer. What Amen. do you think? Well, if you'll come by booth 212 over in the exhibit hall, we have a brochure for you, and we have a volunteer form that you can sign up and join us down in uh, San Antonio, April 8 to 10, for a special blessing that God will pour out upon you as you're ministering to those in need. Thank you this evening. Our gracious Father in heaven, this has been a special evening. We're so thankful, so grateful to be here. We're so appreciative of our brothers and sisters who have dedicated themselves to spreading this wonderful message. We're thankful, Lord, that we've been able to listen to the way they've used uh, such creative ways to reaching out to bring this message forward. We thank you, Lord, that uh, as we go back to our home places, 
we can take this passion with us, whether we already have the ministries that we're working with or whether we'd like to. Lord, help us, Lord, to realize this is a message for the hour. People need this message. They're worrying. They're concerned. We have an Advent hope. So, Lord, help us and bless us that we can be a part of this great movement. And we thank you, Lord, for hearing and answering our prayers. In Jesus' name, amen. This media was produced by Audioverse for ASI, Adventist Layman's Services and Industries. If you would like to learn more about ASI, please visit www.asiministries.org. Or if you would like to listen to more free online sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.